Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Percy asks if... What? 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 What did I write here in my notes? Percy asks if she knows him. Oh, uh, oh, uh, oh, uh, oh. Okay, got it. That, That's what, that is what happened. Francisco, California, what is good? Oh, it is a joy and an honor to be back here in the Bay, my home for seven months or so. A place that's very near and dear to my heart. It's been a lovely time. Give yourselves a round of applause for making out to the show. This place is rad as hell. I really enjoy the vibes here. This is super cool. I'm very excited for the show tonight. Got a fun first act of Percy Jackson. Got a fun second act of Potterless Stuff. Now, for the Percy Jackson portion, obviously, can't just cover this stuff alone. Got a very intense chapter to cover. I didn't realize until I started reading and got towards the end. I was like, oh, whoo. Fun stuff for a jaunty little live show. But let's cover that with a very special guest, you know her, you love her, you might have met her at the merch table along with my parents. Please welcome to stage Kelly Beckman Schubert. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for bringing all of my things. You're welcome. Hello. How's it going? Good. Are you enjoying your time in San Francisco? I am. I'm a little cold. I've been wearing your jacket the majority of the time we've been here. Yeah, it's been uh, uh, it's been a little that. chilly time. I oh, like yeah. that San Francisco, in true to fashion form, is always the place where it's like people are like, oh, it's going to California, like it's going to be warm, and <laughs> then they buy all their iHeart SF T-shirt equivalents. But you know, the sweaters at all the Fisherman's Wharf, blah blah blah. And even knowing this after living here, I was like, oh, it's always colder than you think. It's always colder than you think. I've been freezing my butt off. <laughs> For the we past couple of the weeks. Forecast. We did. It dropped 10 degrees from when we checked because we left like a week ago. It lied to us. It did. So you've been stealing all my warm clothes, I but have. that's okay. I was saying on the way here, I have this theory that everybody in San Francisco is just pretending not to be cold. <laughs> everybody on the street that we pass is in like a little jacket. I'm like, you're cold. I know you're cold and you're pretending not to be cold. You're cold too. I'm just sure everybody's cold. Maybe uh, it's me. <laughs> it is a little bit chilly, but that's okay. Let's heat things up with some spicy Percy Jackson discussions. <laughs> all right. Now, we are going to cover chapter 16 of the fourth book, which is called I Open a Coffin. Super fun vibes. <laughs> 
You've been the guest so many times that I have run out of fun, cool uh, questions Intro to questions, ask. Yeah. So let's just get local with it. What is your favorite part of San Francisco slash the Bay Area? Oh, I have a lot of friends who live in the area. So my favorite part about coming to San Francisco is seeing our friends that live here. So you're saying your favorite part is the friends we made along the way? <laughs> <laughs> if I have to pick something else, I just like hanging out in the parks. Yeah. I think like it's just a very fun vibe hanging out in the parks, lots of people around, sun shining, whether or not it's cold, the sun is shining. <laughs> but yeah, it's the most San Francisco-based thing besides my friends who may or may not be San Francisco-based forever. I like hanging out in parks around here. Nice. Yeah. These parks are good. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a big fan. Big Mission Dolores Park guy. Yeah. Love that kind of stuff. Always- <laughs> I like that very quiet, woo. <laughs> <laughs> From Dolores herself. <laughs> Shall we get into the chapter? Let's do it. Sweet. So where we last left our heroes, they had just jumped out of Daedalus's burning, smoldering workshop as Mm -hmm. a bunch of evil folks had approached them. So the chapter opens with, quote, jumping out a window 500 feet above ground is not usually my idea of fun, especially when I'm wearing bronze wings and flapping my arms like a duck. (laughs) Classic Percy. Classic Percy, always just coming out the gates firing. Now, of course, I always try to guess what happens based off the chapter titles before Mm -hmm. I start reading. I open a coffin, felt pretty easy because there's only (laughs) been one coffin in the whole series, so I felt pretty confident about whose coffin. Would have been weird if it wasn't the coffin that gets opened. (laughs) It's like, oh, I went to somebody else's wake and whoa. (laughs) So yeah, I figured it was going to be Kronos and it just feels like opening it is a bad idea, Um, but we'll have to see if that happens. Spoiler alert, it does. (laughs) So Percy is plummeting towards the ground. He's pretty sure he's done for, but then Annabeth gives him instructions of how to fly better, says spread his arms and keep them extended. He does, and then his wings catch the wind and he's got a little bit more control. Mm Mm-hmm. What I did appreciate, though, is that it reminded me of one of my favorite movies, Toy Story, because this is basically the buzz that's not flying, that's falling with style. I thought it was great. Good approach. Percy does a flap just kind of like as a test to see if it will work, and it does. And then he's yelling in excitement. And now that he has the hang of it, he feels like the wings are an extension of his body. And I just got to say, this kid is a fast learner. I feel like there's lots of things (laughs) that he masters quite quickly. Especially for a kid who is afraid of flying for Zeus-based reasons. Sure. Yep. I wonder, is he actually afraid of the act of flying? Or is he, it seems like Percy's just afraid of the repercussions of flying. he's just afraid of Zeus, yeah. Yeah, it's really, you know, a next level, oh, that's what you're actually Mm -hmm. afraid of. So Percy feels confident. He looks around to the rest of the crew. They seem like they're doing fine. And then Percy also behind them sees the smoke rising out of Daedalus's workshop. Oh, I wanted to ask you this to get your perspective. Uh-huh. When you were reading these for the first time and we get the reveal that Quintus is dead, right, yeah. what was your reaction? Because I was floored. <laughs> no, I mean, me too. I didn't see it coming. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I had a lot of theories about what Quintus was. They're less recorded than what your theories on what Quintus was. Yeah, mine are super recorded. Yeah. <laughs> and I was super not correct. Yeah, I did not see that coming. I thought it was a great twist. Yeah, it was fun. Mm-hmm. I really like it. Really good one. I, I'll have to see how book five goes, but so far this book is by far my favorite. I really liked three, but this this book is good. That was your intro question for me was what was my favorite book for a long time. Right. And this was my favorite book. Yeah, so, yeah. I can see why. You <laughs> yeah. are a woman of taste. <laughs> so Annabeth says that they should probably try to land soon because these wings won't last forever. Rachel Elizabeth there asks, how long will they last? And Annabeth says that she doesn't want to find out. Smart answer, smart approach. They get closer to the Garden of the Gods, and Percy is 
flapping around. He does a swoop and he scares a whole bunch of climbers, which I think is very funny. <laughs> I could imagine myself seeing someone on some sort of apparatus and getting spooked by that. I imagine because of the mist, they see like a ginormous bird or something. Oh, I was imagining with the mist, it would be like a person on a big hang glider type thing. <laughs> Ooh, oh yeah, maybe that, maybe that. Yeah. This kind of reminds me of, <laughs> I went to Bryce's Canyon mm -hmm. with my family once on a vacation and we were staying in a lodge and the main lodge was like, hundred yards away, not hard to get to. And I'm ready first. So I'm like, I want hot chocolate. I'm going to go there. I'll meet y'all there. It took me about an hour to get there. My parents were freaking out. They had no idea where I was. I wandered into like a whole bunch of mist and I was freaking <gasps> out. I was freaking out. And Bryce's Canyon has a lot of like steep drops off. So I'm like running around and I'm like, no, don't run. I'm going to like fall off a candy. They're looking for me for like an hour and like they're freaking out. I'm freaking out. And when I finally find them, I'm like, it was the mist. It was wild. They're like, Kelly, there was no mist. And I'm like, no, it was, I couldn't see more than like five feet in front of me at maximum. I was just surrounded by it. And I got so lost. I couldn't find it. And they're like, there was no mist. And so I imagine there was some demigod activity going on there. <laughs> well, this will be very fun once I, of course, officially partner with Rick Riordan and we work together <laughs> on a fun, cool short story. Yeah, what happened in Bryce's Canyon? Right. It could be like a little audiobook exclusive thing. Yeah. Uh, the combination <laughs> of the two. TM, 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 TM. No one's still listening to you. <laughs> Wait a second. This is my story. <laughs> Sorry. TM, 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 TM. No one's still Kelly's idea. We'll work together. Come on. Okay, we'll get, right. It'll be a joint venture. <laughs> <laughs> so they end up landing at the terrace of the visitor center. It's the afternoon, the place is pretty much empty, but they rip off their wings as quickly as they can regardless. Now, Percy can see that Annabeth was right. The adhesive is fading away. Some of the feathers are lost. They end up stuffing the wings in a trash can because they can't fix them and they can't risk mortals seeing them, I guess, except for the trash guy. <laughs> like, that I was, was thinking the fine. same thing. <laughs> like, ah, this guy sees it, no big deal. We just can't let a couple of people see it. <laughs> Percy ends up using one of those tourist binocular things and he looks through it and he sees where the workshop should have been, but it's gone. So clearly the workshop is relocated. Good luck for Percy that it was one of those things where you didn't have to put in a quarter first, okay, yeah. that it was just one of the free ones, which happens at some places, just not every single place. Percy asks how they're going to get back into the maze. Annabeth says that they might not be able to because the labyrinth was tied to Daedalus's life force. So if he died, it might be gone. Mm -hmm. It's a scary thought. And then she wonders, oh, but maybe that would stop Luke's plan. And I doubt that it's gone. I doubt that it would stop the plan. <laughs> Feels like that'd be a really womp womp ending to the book. And the labyrinth was gone because <laughs> Daedalus died at the end. Welcome to book five now. <laughs> Percy wonders what's going to happen to Tyson and Grover, and he feels bad for Daedalus because despite all of his faults and him being not necessarily the best person, dying via attack from Luke's army seems like not the best way to go out. Yeah. Nico says that Daedalus isn't dead. Percy asks how he knows this, and Nico says that he can just feel it like a buzzing in his ears. Mm -hmm. Percy asks, oh, how are Tyson and Grover doing? Nico shakes his head, saying that it's harder to tell if they're alive or not because they aren't humans or half-bloods, so they don't have mortal souls. And that feels very convenient so that we don't know how Tyson and Grover are doing. You know what else is convenient? Percy has forgot about the empathy link that he has. Yeah. He would be dead if Grover was dead, right? Oh! So I think he can assume they're doing fine, but he's forgotten, I guess. <laughs> I forgot about that as well. Yeah. Or at least I forgot the stipulation that if one goes, yeah. the other goes. Yeah. So, okay. Which well. also... 
we were already at Calypso's Island, right? Yes. Okay. That was a yeah. Which also, <laughs> <laughs> which also they thought Percy was dead when he was lost on Calypso's Island, yeah. and Kerber should have just been like, "No, nah, man, I'm not dead, so he's not dead." I mean, <laughs> that's I a good know. point. I mean, maybe it's just a theory that they would both die if Ooh, one of them. Died, okay. But yeah. well, hopefully, we never find out <laughs> because I like them both, and I would like them to both be alive. Annabeth says that they should go into town because that would give them a better shot at finding an entrance to the labyrinth and they need to re-enter the maze so that they can stop Luke. Rachel Elizabeth there suggests that they hop on a flight. Percy says that he can't fly. And Rachel Elizabeth there says, what? You just did. And he goes, no, 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 that was low flying. I can't do high flying. It's more risky. But besides that, he says it would take too much time. And the fastest way to get back to Camp Half-Blood is through the maze. We got to get into the maze. Percy doesn't voice it aloud, but he's also hoping that if they go back into the maze, they would run into Tyson and Grover, and then he could make sure that his friends are okay. Annabeth says that they need a car to get them into a nearby city. Rachel Elizabeth there looks into the parking lot, and then her face turns into an expression of regret. And it just looks like she doesn't like what she's about to do, but she is committing to doing something. She says that she'll take care of it. Annabeth asks how, and she says, just trust me. Very intriguing <laughs> stuff, and it only gets more intriguing. I kind of forget that she's new to all of this. I mean, she just flew down from the workshop. Like, all of this is just very new for a mortal person, and you kind of forget that. Yeah, she's rolling with the punches. She really though. is. She's, she's rolling with it. She's and like, cool. She's done that from day one when Percy came through and was like, zombies are attacking me. And she's like, uh, okay, yeah, true. now what? She's always been on board. She'd be great at improv. Very <laughs> yeah. yes handy. She's <laughs> up to the task. <laughs> Annabeth says she's going to go buy a prism in the gift shop so that she can send an iris message to Camp Half-Blood. Nico says that he'll join because he's hungry. I like that. Good priorities. And I just like a book that appreciates that people need to eat sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's good that they've noted, yeah, got to get some food. I haven't Probably eaten in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Percy offers to stay with Rachel Elizabeth Dare, who frowns like she doesn't want him there. And I was trying to figure out, I don't know, is she about to like hotwire a car and then she's embarrassed? <laughs> it is far different than that. I had just written in my notes that I'm wondering what she's going to do. Percy immediately, the next line, asks, what are you going to do? <laughs> she approaches a fancy Lexus with a chauffeur reading the paper out front. She approaches this man and says something. He frowns. Rachel Elizabeth there says something else. And then he turns pale. And then the narrator said, quote, he folded up his magazine. How did the newspaper turn into a magazine? <laughs> Should we not trust this guy? Is he some sort of evil magic thing? Did your copy say that as well? This isn't just me with the... I don't know. I'll go, I'll go check after the fact. Sure. I don't know. But it said newspaper and then magazine. And I was like, hmm? Hmm. That's some critical reading there. <laughs> well, what can I say? Big 31-year-old boy over here yeah. in a book for 12-year-olds. <laughs> So he makes a call, and then he opens the back door of the car, lets in Rachel Elizabeth there with big, oh, anything you need, anything I can get you, ma'am, energy. And I'm wondering right off the bat, is Rachel Elizabeth there a nepotism baby? <laughs> she have really cool, important, rich parents or something? <laughs> Annabeth and Nico return. Annabeth relays that Chiron said that they are prepping for battle at Camp Half-Blood, but they would still like the team to come back because any hero that they can have helping them helps out the cause. She asks if they were able to secure a ride, and Rachel Elizabeth there says that the driver is ready whenever they are. 
Percy sees the driver talking to a guy in khakis, and it's pretty clear that this is the guy who had originally hired this car service. This dude is ready to speak with the manager, but the driver (laughs) apologizes, explaining that this is an emergency, and he says that he has ordered another car for this khaki man. Khaki man. Khaki man. (laughs) I'm wondering, you know, clearly her parent has to be someone important. I don't know if Rachel Elizabeth there's parents are celebrities or politicians. I was feeling not politicians. Couldn't be the daughter of the president because they're, like, they would pick up on the last name unless she's using a pseudonym. (laughs) But I was also thinking if it was a New York politician, I feel like Percy would know. Maybe it could be someone important, but like car service, I don't, I really don't know. And you can't say anything, so let's just move on. (laughs) Rachel Elizabeth there instructs them to get in and she just completely ignores the upset khaki man, which I think is the correct approach. And they end up hitting the road and this car is nice. There are leather seats, there's TVs, there's snacks, there's a mini fridge. The driver asks, where to, Miss Dare? And I'm upset that he didn't call her by her full legal name as I always do, Rachel Elizabeth Dare. (laughs) Give her all three of her names. She says that she isn't sure, calls this guy Robert, and explains that they just need to drive through town and look around. A kid calling an adult by their first name is some big confidence energy there. Yeah. I don't know if I ever call an adult by their first name until college. I definitely didn't. It was always Mr. and Mrs. Yeah, exactly. Whoever. And even now, I have a hard time, like, reverting it back for people who were, like, Mrs. whatever. Now it's like, oh, I yeah. can't. I can't do it. When I was at Josh Pacifico's wedding, I still called his parents Mr. and Mrs. P. Yeah. I couldn't be like, hi, Chris and Terry. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Can't do that at all. Robert takes no issue with the plan. Percy asks, do you know this guy? She says, no. Percy asks, then why would he drop everything to help you? And then she dodges the question by telling Percy that he needs to keep his eyes open and help her look for an entrance to the labyrinth. So about 30 minutes go by and Rachel Elizabeth there has not seen anything that resembles an entrance. And narrator Percy says, quote, I was very aware of Rachel's shoulder pressing against mine. Interesting. You are spoken for, Percy Jackson. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Can't be worrying about these things. He's also wondering, who is Rachel Elizabeth there? How did she get this ride? What is going on here? An hour has now passed, and they decide that they're just going to start driving towards Denver in the hopes that being closer to a bigger city has more labyrinth entrances. And just as they are about to leave Colorado Springs, Rachel Elizabeth there sits bolt upright and yells for the driver to exit the highway because she saw something. The driver abides. Percy asks what she saw, and she says, quote, Western Museum of Mining and Industry which reminds me of the Colorado School of Mines. Anyone ever hear of this university before? Yeah. No, anyone? Yeah. Yeah, Did you go there or something? Uh, Yeah, yeah, did you? Okay. I remember being in high school when I got pamphlets from Colorado School of Mines, like trying to recruit me there. I remember being like, what a silly name for a school. Why would I go to the Colorado School of Mines? And I remember trying to come up with like a cool joke about it. I was like talking to my mom. I was like, Barb, I got this uh, invitation to tour Colorado School of Mines. What a silly school name. She's like, Michael, that's actually a great school with a really good engineering program. A really good engineering program. (laughs) It's just a fun name, Colorado School of Mines. Like, ooh, (laughs) am I going to have a pickaxe in class? (laughs) You know, as opposed to Rice University. The amount of people, (laughs) the amount of people when I went back to New Jersey for a summer after I had committed to go to Rice and people asked where I was going and I said Rice, they would ask me, is it a culinary school? (laughs) No, but second, if it was a culinary school, that'd be the worst name for a culinary school. (laughs) Welcome to Rice University. Oh, cool. Not a lot of culinary skill in cooking rice. (laughs) Look, without a rice cooker, it does take skill. That's true. But really, more people need to get a rice cooker. If there's anything that my legacy could be, it should be, I want to introduce legislation 
that when apartments come with standard things like fridges mm. and microwaves and ovens, rice cooker should be in there too. <laughs> it should be in the tier of essential things. It is wild <laughs> how many people are sleeping on the rice cooker. Anyway, Percy Jackson. <laughs> Percy's underwhelmed by this museum as a museum, saying that it just looks like an old railroad station with some drills and pumps. And he's such a spoiled little New Yorker. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't the Met or the MoMA. Uh. <laughs> Now, Rachel Elizabeth there points to a hole in the side of a hill that's been boarded up and explains that it's an old mine entrance. Annabeth asks if she's sure that this would be a labyrinth entrance, and Rachel Elizabeth there says that she can see that it is, so they should go. She thanks the driver and exits without paying. The driver doesn't ask for any sort of money, just asks if she's okay. And he starts to say, I'd be happy to call your, but then Rachel Elizabeth there screams, no, but then more calmly thanks him and says, no, thank you, we just gotta go. And it's gotta be some sort of important parent situation, but I do not know who. I'm very intrigued to learn who it is in a future chapter. So they go to the museum. It appears to be closed. No one sees the team enter the mine shaft. And at the entrance, they do see a delta marking of Daedalus engraved into a padlock so they know they're in the right spot. Percy is floored that she could see something so tiny from so far away. But once Percy touches the padlock, the chains fall away and they kick down some of the boards and they enter and they're back in the labyrinth. Inside, there are dirt tunnels that then turn to stone. They start to twist and turn wildly, but Rachel Elizabeth there is guiding them effortlessly. And their whole plan is just to get back to New York so that they can exit the maze, get to Camp Half-Blood. Rachel Elizabeth there is on board, and she's also on board for a conversation with Annabeth along the way, Ooh. a budding friendship. <laughs> ah. Annabeth asks her about her background. Rachel Elizabeth there dodges the question. Again, I'm not surprised because in the past she had said, you know, my parents wouldn't notice if I was gone for a week. So I'm thinking it's something where her parents are super busy. It's gotta be something like that. That's where the importance is. Instead, they end up talking about architecture. Oh, nice. oh yeah, glad you're here, Kelly. Uh -huh. Apparently, Rachel Elizabeth there knows some stuff about architecture from her art studies. Narrator Percy says, quote, they talked about different facades on buildings around New York. Have you seen this one? Blah, blah, blah. So I hung back and walked <laughs> next to Nico in uncomfortable silence. <laughs> Blah, blah, blah. Were you upset by Percy being so dismissive of architecture? It sounds similar to someone else that I know who asked well, me for one architecture word for him to tout around like he knew it, and it was facade. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How you. dare you? And now you just walk around going, look at that facade, no, and that no, no, facade, no, no. and that facade over there. <laughs> you failed to remember that I also love curtain walls. Yes, you do. Yeah. And I love to ask if things that I know are not curtain walls are curtain walls. Because <laughs> I think that's a fun architectural term. <laughs> curtain wall. I am intrigued by architecture. I like when you show me your no, cool stuff I know you do for you are. your job. I know you are. Yes. It's cool and fun. Yeah. You're making buildings. I'm just <laughs> talking about books. <laughs> But sometimes people get bored in airports and traffic, and I need to do a good civic duty for the world. <laughs> sometimes people need things to do on Thursday nights. <laughs> Percy thanks Nico for coming back for them. Nico doesn't seem angry, just more cautious and suspicious and more careful. He says that he owed Percy for helping him out at the ranch, and he adds that he wanted to see Daedalus himself. Nico admits that Minos was right in a way that Daedalus should die because living that long is just unnatural. And these books hate immortality. They really do not like it. 
Percy realizes that Nico's plan was to exchange Daedalus's soul for Bianca's soul. Mm. He asks Nico about this, but Nico doesn't really answer. Instead, he just says that it's been hard to only have the dead for company of late, saying that the living won't accept him and he's only respected by the dead, but the only reason that the dead respect him are out of fear for him as being a son of Hades. Mm. Percy says that Nico could be accepted and make friends at Camp Half-Blood. Nico asks Percy if he really believes that, but Percy doesn't answer because he doesn't know. He thinks about how ever since Bianca passed away, Nico's gotten a little bit scary. He sees Hades in Nico's eyes, like he's either a genius or a madman, and I am all in on the Hades good guy redemption arc. I feel <laughs> like that's brewing, and I would really like it, but again, I can't tell. You can't say anything about it, so let's move on. I forgot that Camp Half-Blood doesn't have a dorm for the kids of Hades. There's not even a symbolic type thing like no, they did for they Artemis? One. No, I'm pretty sure that he mentions is one of the reasons he doesn't, he's like, where would I even stay? And Percy was like, you could stay in the Hermes cabin or something. Mm. And he's just like, no, I can't do that. And so, it, I mean, it does feel like you're really unwanted when you don't even have a place to stay. Like Percy felt really weird sitting at a table by himself and sleeping in a room by himself. But like, imagine you don't even have a table. You don't even have a room. So I can understand how he doesn't want to. Well, I want Nico to go to Camp Half-Blood and then team up with the Hephaestus cabin and let's build a cool new cabin <laughs> for Hades. Yeah, I think it'd Get be fun. Get to design it. Get the, oh my God, it could be a whole montage of everyone in the camp putting it together. The Athena kids do the blueprints and Mar Models and renderings. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They use Rhino Sometimes. and BIM 360. Yep. Let's go. <laughs> it's funny, even though like there's lots of parts of your job that I don't understand anything about. And there's lots of parts of my job you don't understand anything about. But like sometimes we both will get so stuck in something that we take the time to explain a very specific piece of the job to see if the other person has any insight. And of course the answer is no, but- <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. You never know. So you do know more words than I thought you did. Let's go, baby. I feel like I should do a big sporkle quiz of like, can you name any architecture words and see how well I do. Percy is also spooked by what Nico did recently where he called himself the king of the ghosts and banished Minos and all of the other spirits. So Percy can't really answer if people will like him just because mm. he's recognizing this guy's a little kind of scary a little bit. <laughs> Percy tries to think of a response, but before he can say anything, they arrive at a fork in the road. Rachel Elizabeth there stares one way and Annabeth asks if that's the way. And she says, no, not at all. Percy asks why they've stopped then. And Nico tells Percy to listen. Percy hears wind, like the exit of the labyrinth is near, and he smells eucalyptus trees, which reminds him of California. Is that a thing? Is there a bunch of eucalyptus trees? Okay. Oh, nice. Cool. Now, I was wondering, because he called out California, oh, is this going to be the exit to Mount Tam? Shout out to everybody for coming to the Mount Tam show. Wee! <laughs> Rachel Elizabeth there says that there's something very evil and powerful down that tunnel. So the answer is, yelp, that would be Mount Othrys. And Nico adds that he smells the smell of death narrator Percy says, which made me feel a whole lot better. <laughs> Annabeth and Percy lock eyes, and Annabeth guesses that this is Luke's entrance that he's been using. Percy says he wants to check it out. Annabeth tells him not to, which is the correct approach to this situation, <laughs> but Percy insists because either Luke or Kronos or both of them could be right there, and he says he has to see what's going on. Annabeth says, well, if you insist, then we'll all go with you to keep you safe. But Percy says that it's far too dangerous because if the evil folks got a hold of Nico and slash or Rachel Elizabeth there, they could use them for evil and it would just be mm -hmm. absolutely catastrophic. He tells Annabeth that she should guard them. Rachel Elizabeth there pleads for Percy not to go alone. 
Percy says, quote, I'll be quick, I won't do anything stupid. Ah, yes, two things Percy never does. <laughs> never does anything that takes a lot of time, never does anything <laughs> whack. Classic Percy Jackson. <laughs> Annabeth gives Percy her invisibility cap, Percy thanks her, and thinks of the goodbye kiss last time they parted ways. But as the narrator says, quote, this time all I got was the hat. <laughs> <laughs> What a little mopey teenager. <laughs> Last time she kissed me. <laughs> I get it, but come on. <laughs> Percy dons the hat and he says, here goes nothing. And he heads off. He hears all sorts of voices before he even exits the maze. One of them says, at least we salvaged the blade. The master will still reward us. So we've learned that unfortunately, the blade survived the big eruption from Mount St. Helens. A second voice says, yes, yes, rewards beyond measure. And then a human voice says, uh, yeah, well, that's great. Now, if you're done with me, and I like whoever this is, <laughs> on brand, I wrote, it's got to be Ethan Nakamura. Soon we will learn it is. Atelakine yells and tells this half-blood to help with the presentation, for it is a great honor. And the half-blood says, gee, thanks. And Percy realizes that it is, in fact, Ethan. Percy creeps towards the end of the tunnel before realizing he's invisible, so he didn't need to do that, which I think is just a funny visual of him being like, ah, oh, what am I doing? <laughs> but I feel like I would do this if I was invisible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would still like crouch and try to yeah. tiptoe because who knows? Percy's near the top of Mount Tam, and he sees two telekines and Ethan Nakamura 20 feet below, putting something large and wrapped in a cloth onto a big rock. And a telekine gives away that it is the evil scythe blade from before, and he reveals that one touch of the blade severs your soul from your body, which sounds super scary. Mm -hmm. Very scary. Ethan says, oh, well, in that case, I'll let you all unwrap it. And he does seem like he's got a level head about this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Are you a Ethan Nakamura fan? Did you like his vibe? Were you off put by him in any way? You've read the rest of the chapter, right? Yeah, but I want to okay. see what your read is before he does the thing that we'll discuss. <laughs> yeah, and, and he's already kind of like half betrayed them once, right? He just oh. like ran off. He just didn't join them. Yeah. Yeah. To me, he has real Gollum vibes. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> because um, it was Percy's mercy or his pity for him. Percy's mercy. Yeah, Percy's mercy that like spared him, right? And they're like dual. And then as we find out in this chapter, he comes back and he actually is responsible for setting a lot of things into motion oh, in a very yeah. Gollum-esque kind of way. That's a very good comparison. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Barb and Joel who now get that reference because oh, you, yeah. you had us watch Lord of the Rings uh -huh. when we were home most recently around the holidays and Barb and Joel were infested. <laughs> we watched no. the first half of the movie and yep. then we got too late and then just like all the next day they were like, we're watching the second half tonight, right? <laughs> yeah. What were you going to say? Oh, no more Gollum spoilers because we haven't watched the second or the third Right, yet, right, yeah. So no more Gollum spoilers. Now no here's more. the big question. We only watched the theatrical release when we watched the first one with them because you didn't want to overwhelm them. Yeah. When we watch movie two, are you giving them director's cut? No, no, because still don't want to overwhelm. Like the story is more concise in the theatrical cuts. Like the extended is really exciting for somebody who really knows the movies or has read the books or just like wants to have more of it. But when you're still the first time through, like the theatrical cut is the cut for a reason. It sells it in a more concise and not like compelling way, but in a way that's like more understandable the first time around. Because there's lots of names and things happening and people and evil people and good people and good people turning evil and vice versa. So it's better. It's, we'll watch the theatrical part. <laughs> and, and, then, and, then, and then next year we'll watch the. the <laughs> yeah, that's the real rope. And if you do the theatrical cuts, then you have an yeah. excuse to watch all of the yeah, extended yeah. cuts. I see your tricks, <laughs> Kelly Peck and Schubert. <laughs> 
So Percy looks at the peak of the mountain and he sees the giant fortress and wonders how no mortal can see this. But when he looks below, things look fuzzy. So he mm-hmm. figures there's some sort of super powerful mist magic going on it's here. Mist. It's the mist. <laughs> Percy can't see Atlas, but he can hear him groaning in the distance. So I'm glad that this dude is still struggling. <laughs> One of the telekines lifts the weapon and Percy's blood turns to ice. I'm assuming not literally. Narrator Percy says, it was a scythe, a six foot long blade curved like a crescent moon with a wooden handle wrapped in leather. The blade glinted two different colors, steel and bronze. It was the weapon of Kronos, the one he'd used to slice up his father, Oranos, before the gods had taken it away from him and cut Kronos to pieces, casting him into Tartarus. Now the weapon was reforged. Not great, not great at all. (laughs) The telekine says that they must sanctify it in blood and then Ethan will help present it when the Lord awakens. Also, not great. Mm -hmm. Percy runs towards the fortress and clearly he's broken his promise of not doing anything rash. He doesn't want to be near this thing, but he feels like he must stop Kronos from rising. So he rushes through a foyer. Or is it foyer? When is it a foyer and when is it a foyer? Is it just depending on how fancy you want to be? I think so. Okay. I th- yeah. Completely yeah. interchangeable? Fancy, fancy, fancy. It's like when you can say like data or data and it's like cool. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to think of another one. There's another one where like you can say it and it's only if you're fancy and it's like businessy. Vase and vase. Vase and vase. That's a good one. Pecan and pecan. That's just like if you're from the South or not. <laughs> but there's another one. Oh, yeah, it's another caramel and caramel. Man, I'm it's, uh, I'm racking my brain. What's the... I don't know which one you're trying to go with. Uh, it's... Mm. Curtain wall and cushion wool. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to think about this during intermission and try to figure it out, but it's bugging me which one it is. But anyway, we got to get through the rest of this chapter. Uh, okay. Garage and garage. Garage? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> What? If you're you're British and fancy. Okay, but that's not what it is. It's one of those. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Amateur and amateur is one. That's not exactly the one I'm thinking about, but I don't like that one at all. Mm. Oh, it was finance and finance. That's the, you only say finance if you're trying to be fancy. So he runs through the foyer or foyer if you're feeling fancy. He says, quote, the floor shined like a mahogany piano, pure, black, and yet full of light. Look at Percy knowing what a mahogany piano looks like. (laughs) Very fancy, clearly in a foyer. There are black marble statues of the Titans in the hall, and there's two bronze braziers and a dais at the end of the room. The golden sarcophagus is atop it, and I'm thinking, don't open this thing but he's not going to listen to me. (laughs) Percy says that the room is silent aside from the crackling of the fires. There's no Luke, there's no guards, there's nothing. Percy approaches the sarcophagus and it looks the same as he has seen it in his dreams. It gives off a cold aura and Percy can see his own breath. He draws Riptide for comfort and he's confused as to why Cronus' voice isn't speaking in his mind because that always was the case whenever Percy was nearby. Percy wonders what he would find if he opened the lid and he cannot fathom how they made Kronos a new body. What Percy does know is that he has to strike Kronos down before he's able to get to his scythe because at that point, it's just going to be bad news bears. Percy looks over the lid of the coffin and it has an inscription in letters older than Greek in some sort of magic language. And even though Percy can't read it, he just knows that it says Kronos, the Lord of Time which I'm glad to have the confirmation because I think way earlier in the book, Kelly with an I said something about the Lord of Time and I was like, that's Kronos, right? Because of chronological order. I think for a while you thought it was two different people. You thought that was going to be the new villain of this book. I didn't think. I think I just postulated that that could have been a possibility, but I was pretty sure that Lord of Time was Kronos because of the name. Maybe this was off the record just to me, but I'm pretty sure you said you thought that it was going to, and I just walked into another room. I was like, "Mm mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I don't think I was ever convinced. I just thought it could have been a thing. But I was pretty confident. Regardless, Percy touches the lid. His fingertips turn blue. Frost appears on Riptide, and he begins to hear voices behind him. So he thinks it's now or never. So he opens the lid. And I just don't know how this doesn't break his rule of, I'm not going to do anything stupid. He's also doing it super slowly. So he's not being quick. <laughs> yeah. He's at least breaking one of his promises. This, this whole monologue, I'm like, too much description. Go and stab. Go and stab. Go and stab. <laughs> Percy looks inside. He's ready to strike, but he is flummoxed by what he sees. Mortal legs in gray pants, a white shirt, hands folded over a stomach, and a bullet wound-sized hole where this person's heart belongs. And it's Luke in the coffin. And I wrote, oh no, Luke is in the coffin. And then I immediately wrote, dang it, why am I not happy about this? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't want Luke around, but like, not like this. Yeah, yeah. Percy knows that he should have killed him right then and there, but he was too shocked to do so. That's kind of how I felt as well. It's just more of you're just so surprised by the situation that you couldn't just be like, yeah. <laughs> he says, quote, as much as I hated Luke, as much as he had betrayed me, I just didn't get why he was in the coffin and why he looked so very, very dead. A telekine enters the room and asks what happened. The other warns to be careful because he may stir, so they must present the gifts immediately. They present the scythe, but nothing happens. And one telekine says that the half-blood is required first. Mm -hmm. So Ethan doesn't like the sound of this. They tell him not to be afraid. They don't require his death, just his allegiance. He just needs to pledge his loyalty to Kronos and renounce the gods. That's it. Mm -hmm. Before he can do this, Percy yells no, removes the invisibility cap, and as the narrator admits that this is a whack idea, but he just wants to save Ethan. He's continuing his golem arc here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we won't get into it yeah, because we don't right. want to. Yeah. <laughs> the telekines say that their master will deal with Percy soon enough. They tell Ethan to pledge. Percy begs Ethan not to and instead says, you should help me destroy this. Ethan has a look of pity and he says, quote, I told you not to spare me, Percy, an eye for an eye. You ever hear that saying? I learned what it means the hard way when I discovered my godly parent. I'm the child of Nemesis, goddess of revenge, and this is what I was made to do. So this is interesting because I think mm -hmm. this is the one of the few times, I don't know if Nemesis is considered a minor god, but at the very least, she's not an Olympic goddess. Mm -hmm. So for someone to be called a demigod, but then the child of someone not on Olympus, I thought was very interesting. And I don't know a whole lot about Nemesis. I can ask Dr. Moya, mm -hmm. or I'm assuming Nemesis feels like the type of person that might show up in Hades 2, the video game. <laughs> But also the eye for an eye thing, I mean, with an eye patch, it feels like very on the nose, or I guess yep. on the eye. Just like very, how did he lose it? Did he literally yeah, I want his lose side his eye? Story. Yeah, like, I want to know. I want to know more about him. But I think that, I actually don't know exactly, but I think like the 12 Olympians are the gods, and then the other ones are, everybody else is just a minor god. I think. Okay, I yeah. Think. I, I guess so, but yeah, regardless, this is the first time that I think we've met a demigod, because they've called Ethan a demigod, and he was at least at Camp Half-Blood mm -hmm. in the past. This is the first time we've had a demigod say that their parent was a minor god, I think. The yeah. only other minor god I can recall coming across was Jonas. So mm. this is at least the first demigod time, which mm -hmm. I think is a very interesting dynamic. Yeah. I would have loved to learn more, but it doesn't feel like we're going to get a whole lot of Nakamura <laughs> in the future. We'll just have to see. Now, he turns towards the dais, he renounces the gods, and he pledges to Kronos. Narrator Percy then gives the following chilling description. The building rumbled. A wisp of blue light rose from the floor at Ethan Nakamura's feet. It drifted toward the coffin and began to shimmer like a cloud of pure energy. Then it descended on the sarcophagus. Luke sat bolt upright, his eyes opened, and they were no longer blue. 
They were golden, the same color as the coffin. The hole in his chest was gone. He was complete. He leaped out of the coffin with ease, and where his feet touched the floor, the marble froze like craters of ice. This sucks. <laughs> Not great. And for people listening to the podcast now, but people here alive won't know this, in the past two live show episodes that I've done here in California, Grant and I just kept talking about how this book is very Kingdom Heartsy. This is super oh, Kingdom yeah. Heartsy. This is very Riku Ansem. It reeks of yeah, it. Oh yeah. my gosh. The crossover is perfect. And Percy Jackson and the Olympians is a Disney property. So like, can we get the crossover in a future Ooh, game? We need it. Gosh, that'd be amazing. It'd be really good. Are they making like a Kingdom Hearts 4? They are. Oh my gosh. Right? When does it come? I don't know. Oh my gosh. I don't know. So Luke slash Kronos looks at Ethan with his golden eyes like he's a newborn seeing the world for the first time. And then he looks at Percy and smiles after recognizing who he is. Says that the body has been well prepared and Percy says that the voice is chilling. It's a double voice situation. It's Luke's voice, but then there is another deeper, scarier voice that sounds like metal scraping against a rock underneath. Ugh, very chilling stuff. Kronos asks Percy if he agrees about the body being well kept. Percy is just frozen. Kronos says, Luke feared you. His jealousy and hatred have been powerful tools. It has kept him obedient. For that, I thank you. And I wonder if a small part of Percy is happy that Luke <laughs> was afraid of Percy. Like, he's like, oh, yeah. no. Oh, hey. <laughs> and that he was jealous of him, too. Yeah. Thing. yeah. It's always a fun time when you find out that someone that you dislike is actually either jealous or scared of you or stuff. I don't know. It's cool. It's like, I don't like this person. You're like, oh, <laughs> the tables have turned. Ethan falls to the ground in horror and he covers his face. Percy lunges at the artist formerly known as Luke, but his skin deflects Riptide like the skin is made completely of steel. Kronos flicks his hand and sends Percy flying into a pillar across the room. Kronos grabs his blade and then says, ah, much better. Backbiter, Luke called it. An appropriate name. Hard disagree. Yeah. <laughs> An appropriate name. Now that it's reforged completely, it shall indeed bite back, which just, ugh, uh, boo. Uh, <laughs> Hello, everyone. In case you didn't get the point of the sword's name, let me explain it. I'm Corona. Like, it's such a bad name for a sword, <laughs> which I guess is good because they're the bad guys and it would be not as fun to have, I don't know, to deal with like, oh man, it's a really cool name. It's such a whack <laughs> name. It's so gross. I hate it. Yeah. Percy asks what he did to Luke. Kronos says that Luke serves him with his whole being as Kronos requires, but he says the difference is that he, Kronos, doesn't fear Percy. Narrative Percy says, that's when I ran. There wasn't even any thought to it, no debate in my mind about, gee, should I stand up to him and try to fight again? Nope, I simply ran. Smart approach, Percy, you did it. Unfortunately though, Time slows down around him, and Percy recognizes that this is Kronos' power. Kronos laughs and says, run, little hero, run, which is, uh, it's not fun. I mean, fun from a reading perspective, but if you're in the shoes of Percy Jackson, never good when the evil person takes a jaunty, childlike tone. It's just always <laughs> chilling. It's like when horror movies have like a really sweet song done creepily, like a nursery rhyme or something. Mm. Like when you do something positive and upbeat in a creepy situation, it just makes it twice as scary. But you always need the villain to do a little bit of taunting because that's, or like vamping and talking too much because mm -hmm. that's when he escapes. <laughs> Hubris, Other, thy name he, yeah, Exactly. <laughs> Otherwise, if he's just like, all right, well, I'm going to kill you now, bye. Then, you know, end of Percy. Right. I think in a future superhero type movie, if there was a villain that spent no time monologuing, <laughs> it's just like always like ran and just did stuff. I mean, I guess that's kind of like Terminator 2. That guy is all business <laughs> and he's so scary. 
Kronos casually approaches, which is so scary. Just to like walk, ugh, ugh. Casually approaches and gains on Percy, who can sense that just nothing can stop this guy. And when he's about 10 feet away from Percy, Percy hears Rachel Elizabeth there yell out his name. Rachel Elizabeth there chucks her blue plastic hairbrush at him. It hits him in the eye and he goes, ow. And narrator Percy notes that the ow is only in Luke's voice. And it's enough to break Percy from this time spell. And he runs to the team in the entry hall. Annabeth thinks that it's Luke, but she knows something is wrong. Percy just keeps running and then grabs her <laughs> so that she'll join. And they're almost back in the maze when he hears the loudest bellow he has ever heard, which is Kronos saying in all caps, after them. Now here's how the chapter ends. Really, just gonna quote it from the book because I can't say it better than the book does. No, Nico yelled. He clapped his hands together and a jagged spire of rock the size of an 18-wheeler erupted from the ground right in front of the fortress. The tremor it caused was so powerful, the front columns of the building came crashing down. I heard muffled screams from the telekines inside, dust billowed everywhere. We plunged into the labyrinth and kept running, the howl of the Titan Lord shaking the entire world behind us. Gotta say, having Nico on the team, huge addition. Oh yeah, he's great. Really nice to have guy that can make earthquakes that suck people away, or mm -hmm. earthquakes that make giant things that block the enemies from chasing after you. Mm -hmm. Feels like a great person to have on the roster. Wonderful to have around. Really solid stuff. So that is the end of chapter 16, and that is the end of this first act of the show. It's not the end of this episode of The News Olympian, if you are listening after the fact or here live because there's more stuff to happen. But for now, give it up for Kelly for being an incredible guest for our first act. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. And now we're gonna pass it over to me to talk about intermission. Hello and welcome to the Admiral of the Labyrinth Munich edition. Just arrived here in Munich this morning, took the train in from the Berlin, and all the folks at the Berlin Live Show last night warned me that there would be train delays, and I was confused. I thought Germany's whole thing was trains, but just as they prophesized, there were delays, not too many, but we are safely here in Munich. We've got two shows tomorrow. Unfortunately, they are sold out, and that will be the end of Torup. But if you live in the United States, and slash or, I don't know how you would and, but or Canada, we've got new shows coming your way for Torth America Part 1. We will be in Seattle on May 24th, Vancouver on May 26th, Cleveland on June 14th, Detroit on June 16th, and Toronto on June 18th. There are some other shows that will be happening later in the year, but those five shows are official, and the tickets are live right now at thenewestolympian.com slash live. All of the shows, except for the Seattle one, will be half Potterless, half TNO, because I have not done live shows in those cities yet, but Seattle's a repeat city, so it's just going to be the newest Olympian, and that is my policy going forward. I want to give every city the chance to see Potterless at least once, but then from then on, we're just transitioning into TNO. So if you want tickets, head on over to thenewsolympian.com slash live, and you can scoop them up right now. Now for some non-live show related updates, TNO has moved to a new hosting site. I've moved to a new hosting site for advertising purposes, and hopefully what that will mean is we'll get less of those weird, sketchy ads coming through. I know there are a lot of gambling ads coming through and I don't want those to come through, so this new service that I'm with hopefully will have those blocked. Feel free to reach out to me if that is not the case. And I know some folks were having issues with episodes doing this weird audio thing where it would replay 
previous parts from the episode and sometimes cut episodes short. I think that was just something that happened in the transition from the one hosting site to the other hosting site. Hopefully that's all ironed out now. But if you do have any sort of weird issue like that, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever, and you get some weird repeating thing, please send me an email to thenewsolympian at gmail.com letting me know what episode it is and at what points stuff got weird and I will talk with the hosting site and try to get everything sorted out. But I think everything should be okay now. I think it was just in the transition period, but let me know if that is not the case. Now, speaking of ads, if you don't want to deal with any sorts of ads, you don't want to hear any whatsoever, you can do so if you join our Patreon. One of the perks of the Patreon is that you get access to ad-free episodes if you listen on Patreon. So that's one of the many benefits that you can get, such as bonus episodes and director's commentary and all sorts of fun things like when Steven and I do Hades, the video game streams, you can watch the old ones, you can watch the new ones that we'll be doing in the future. Lots of fun stuff over at the newestolympian.com slash Patreon. And speaking of the Patreon, I want to give a shout out to the folks who have joined the team most recently. So shout out to our newest Ultra God tier patrons, Sky Mallory, Elizabeth Obermiller, and Aiden Parziani, who upgraded a while ago to the Ultra God tier status, but I missed the upgrade. If I've missed your upgrade, please send me a message on Patreon. Shout out to our newest Super God tier patron, Meg Roy. Shout out to our newest God to your patron KJ and shout out to our newest demigod to your patrons Ray, Ariel, Annabeth's mom, Eric Sherbarth, Mackenzie Polar, and Lulu. Thank you all so much for your support. May Poseidon bless you where if you are walking and you get caught in the rain that your socks don't get wet because that's just the absolute worst. May he bless you to ensure that that never happens to you. Now, if you are all caught up on the News Olympian and you are looking for a new podcast to listen to, I make a whole bunch of podcasts. I'm very biased, but I think they're all very good. And you can support me, an independent podcast boy, by listening to these shows. And one of the shows that I make that I think you would enjoy is a show called Horse. Horse is a comedic basketball podcast where I and my co-host Adam Amawala, who is a full-time stand-up comedian, talk about all things in the WNBA and the NBA. We talk about the current stuff that's going on. We also talk about history of those leagues and the whole sport. And now is the perfect time to listen because the NBA NBA playoffs are starting very soon, and once the NBA playoffs finish, the WNBA season begins. So it's the perfect time to get in and try to get a sense of how you can become a basketball fan. We very much take the approach of having no gatekeeping, so we appeal to folks who are familiar with basketball and people who have no idea what's going on. So if you want to understand basketball and learn some fun history along the way and be able to hold a conversation with some sportsy people in your life or just find a new fandom, you can listen to Horse by searching for Horse wherever you get your podcasts or by going to our website, horsehoops.com. Now, before we get back to this episode, it will be the Q&A from the live show. For context, the guest for the Q&A portion is my buddy, Salvatore Testa. He was the guest for Act 2, which was the Potterless portion, so he stayed on stage and did the Q&A. So if the voice sounds drastically different than Kelly's, that is why we do some Q&A, and that will close out the episode. Before we get to that Q&A, though, you're going to hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of those ads will be read by me. Others of them won't. The ones that are not read by me are inserted locally. So if you live in Munich, don't be surprised if you hear and add four sausages. I know that's a thing here, and I've had some, and they are tasty. Can confirm, I understand why it's a thing. But once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of The Newest Olympian. This episode of The Newest Olympian is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports 
cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are. So it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want. And then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash TNO. Wow, that's a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slap pack? That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash TNO for 10% off your first purchase. So if you want to collect some cards or rip open some packs in a more transparent way, whether you're a sports nerd or a Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds like me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Let's get into Q&A time. This first question comes from Maya. Woo SF, three basketball emojis as the subject line. Maya says, hi Mike, here's my question. If you could assign a patron Greek god to all of the cities you've lived in, who would it be for each one and who would you choose for San Francisco? Great show so far. Okay, it's a fun one and you can help me come up with Greek gods for the different cities. First off, what do you think about Robbinsville, New Jersey, Sal? (laughs) (laughs) Who's the most Italian god? Yeah. Um, Probably one of the Roman. (laughs) Yeah, I guess we could pick the Roman alternate. Yeah, New Jersey, let's see. Robbinsville, New Jersey was just like a nice, cute little town in central Jersey, nice and Mm. chill, very homey. Mm. Um, One of the gods is like the goddess of the home or the hearth. Hestia. I'm going to pick Hestia. Then after that, I lived in Houston, Texas, yeah. where you also lived. Who would be the god or goddess of Houston, Texas? Is there a god of the swamp? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Is there a god of the fire? Well, the you go space city. It is space, space city. That is, right. It's much more. Flat, you know, those, they, <laughs> had, they had the space god, of course. Hmm. <laughs> The food scene in Houston is very good. Very so good. I could see Demeter being that. She's all about like food, produce, all that kind of stuff. Could see her being the goddess there. Then after that, it was San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So what would be the god of San Francisco? Hmm. Is there a god that's always changing? Because that's kind of like San Francisco. Oh, a little like shapeshiftery kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, Hermes is kind of like the trickster god. And that could work out. So maybe that. Then I lived in Paris. Who's the Frenchest god? <laughs> Bacchus? Ooh. Well, wine god? That makes sense. Yeah, well, Dionysus. <laughs> Some Dionysus. in the back for Bacchus. Big Bacchus no. crowd. Big wine town, Dionysus? That makes a whole lot of sense. 
And then I moved back to Houston. We already did that. And then Seattle, Washington. Hmm. Is there a God who's just like gray for half the year and then beautiful for the other half the year? Persephone. Yeah. And then New York City. Uh, who's the best God ever? <laughs> I feel like, unfortunately, Zeus is like the correct choice for New York, where it's like, New Yorkers are like, yeah, this is great. And everyone else is like, <laughs> All right, this is from Angelica and Rosie. Hi, hello, longtime listener, big time fan of the pod. In the spirit of tonight's live show, here are a few Q&A questions to consider. One, we know that names hold power. Voldemort's code name was he who shall not be named in Harry Potter. What code name do you think that the Percy Jackson characters would have assigned to Kronos? My personal favorite to consider is chopped liver. <laughs> he was chopped up. A good name to talk about a evil person whose name you don't want to say. And he was the Titan. Maybe it'd be like the person we're supposed to remember. <laughs> uh, whenever, every time you said Kronos, I just kept thinking of, my partner and I took my grandmother to Las Vegas for her 90th birthday, and she spent so much time on the Kronos slot machine, which is everywhere. Mm. So like every, and it's just very obnoxious because it's like lots of like lights and sounds, and you'll put like $2 in, and you'll win 40 cents, and it'll be like, you won! <laughs> and like doing like stopping time and like rows. Was it like Greek God themed, or was it just the brand name was Kronos? No, it was Greek God. They have like all sorts of Greek oh, God stuff. Cool. And the, the most insidious thing about it is like, you'll put in money, your money will be incinerated, but like there'll be so many like lights and sounds that like feels like you're winning. But uh, let's just say you can't win at slot machines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, cool, that's fun. Now, number two, in Harry Potter and Percy Jackson, we see oaths be made. In Harry Potter, the biggest oath to make is the unbreakable vow, where if failed to keep the given vow, the wizard would die. In Percy Jackson, we see characters swear on the river Styx. What do you think the punishment should be for those that break their oath on the river Styx? Because we all know it's not death, since the big three are all kicking it after vowing not to have any more children after World War II. So, if you swear on the river Styx and you break the promise, what would happen? Hmm. It is like a scary river. It's like a blood river in Hades, a video game. It's like a black river in the Percy Jackson books. Maybe you just like, anytime you try to drink water, it tastes like blood or like black goop. Or you should have to tread water in the river sticks just forever. Oh, that would be bad. Just like a really long tread water session. Yeah. I remember having to tread water to like get, get lifeguard stuff yeah. or like a badge to go in the deep end in the community pool kind of thing. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, treading water. Treading water is the worst thing. Yeah, the worst Three, what scene or line from the books that you've read so far are you excited to see brought to life in the upcoming TV show? <sighs> There's a lot of things that are really cool. I feel like all the action scenes will be really fun. I like that a lot. Um, and, hmm, I guess like recently, all the maze stuff is pretty cool, but specifically when Percy like explodes out of the volcano. I feel like that'll be pretty sweet. It says, keep up the great work. P.S. Please disregard any spelling slash grammatical errors so as these Q&A questions were brought to you by celebratory happy hour before the show. <laughs> nice. Let's go. Awesome. This one is from Rana. Cool. They ask, who would win in a one-on-one -on -one basketball game, Rachel Elizabeth Dare or Ginny Weasley? Ooh. I'm going to probably give the advantage of Ginny Weasley just because we have, like, evidence that she was good at sports in the Harry Potter books. We have not seen Rachel Elizabeth Dare hoop yet. That doesn't mean she can't hoop, though. So, the jury's not out quite yet. She did throw the hairbrush. Famously, you don't throw things in basketball. 
So maybe she's good at baseball or frisbee or something. You're an ultimate guy. Yeah. Maybe she got a good little like forehand on it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, like, how big was the hairbrush? Because if it was like Ooh, basketball, if it was, if it was big, maybe it was, like, like, maybe huge. she got like a perfect spiral on it. She's a secret yeah, yeah, football yeah. star. I can see that happening. All right. This one is from Sarah. Sarah says, Thanks for coming to SF. Obligatory SF tech adjacent question. What tech company would you ship the gods work for and why? I'm thinking Google, Amazon, Microsoft, Meta, Airbnb, OpenAI, startups, etc. Excited for the rest of the show, and you should definitely hike Mount Tam. The Dipsy Trail is amazing. All right, good to know. So what uh, Greek gods, what different tech companies do they work for? You are a... Okay, so uh, Hermes would be DoorDash. Okay, <laughs> nice, good, good. Yeah, this is certainly your area of expertise. Easy. Mr. Computer Science Major uh, Boy. Hephaestus would work for a hardware company, so Apple? Okay, yeah, that works. Who are we saying is the worst god? Like, who's last place? Uh, it really depends on what year, because, like, <laughs> Uber had it pretty bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. You used to work in the building where Uber was. Yeah. Right? That's fun. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, I worked at Square, which was, like, two levels above. And whenever I opened the doors on the Uber floor, you just see it was, like, black marble or something. It was, like, just black. <laughs> it looked like you were at, like, a club with no music. <laughs> it was, like... <laughs> with the good lighting and you're like, what? It was a choice. <laughs> it was a choice indeed. I guess Hestia could be Airbnb. That's kind of like, you know, home kind of stuff like that. Would Zeus be like a power, like an electric company? Or ah. something? Empower. Oh, or- ugh, Tesla, gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's move on to the next question. <laughs> but he does, have, he does have a lot of kids. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's very good. Yep, let's move on. All right, this is from Marco. Hi, Mike and Kelly with a Y. My name is Marco and I'm here with my husband, Tyson. Oh, nice. I love TNO and I'm so excited to be here. I'm wearing a, this is my damn shirt shirt. Have you ever been to the Hoover Dam? I have not. Have you ever been to the Hoover Dam? I have been to the Hoover Dam. What's it like? It's big. Okay. <laughs> I think I was like nine years old and visited my uncle in Vegas and uh-huh. went to the Hoover Dam and they point out and they're like, hundreds of people died building this thing. And you're like, oh, what a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> And that was my takeaway. Oh, they actually giant generators, which is pretty cool. Did you get any sort of souvenir or keepsake from the Hoover Dam? Not from the Hoover Dam. Like, if you're going to Vegas, that's probably one of the more uh, mundane things to like get a uh, souvenir from. So I think we got like poker chips and oh, like we nice. actually like Vegas stuff. Yeah. All right, cool. All right, so here's the question. Have you ever been? No, I have not. If so, have you taken pictures of being at the damn snack bar? So that's the whole thing that happens in the Percy Jackson books. Do you remember the snack bar being particularly? I, I would have cool? remembered a snack bar for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they have snacks. They eat burritos. You would have remembered that. You love a good burrito. I love burritos. Um, have you ever taken pictures at the damn snack bar, eating damn french fries, and coming out of the damn restroom? How are the restrooms? Did you use them? I don't think Okay. So. Marco says it's on their bucket list. Keep up the Olympic work. Best, Marco. Fantastic. Okay, this one is from Jack. Jack says, hi, Kelly. Mike, in Jack's defense, he didn't know you were the cast. Uh, question about Percy Jackson for the San Francisco show. What place would sneak, physically sneak, even though you're invisible? into if you had Annabeth's hat of invisibility, i.e. the Oval Office, Area 51, etc. Thanks for a great show. Sorry that we had to leave early. Are you even here anymore? My- <laughs> um, it's okay if that you had to leave early, Jack and Nicole. If you could sneak into somewhere with an invisibility hat, where would you sneak into? Like, I don't want to admit to crimes before I do them, right? Yeah. <laughs> allegedly, if you had an invisibility like, hat, okay. what would you allegedly? I mean, 
if anyone else is a sports fan, it'd be pretty cool to like sneak like on the sideline of a football game. Oh yeah, I'd go courtside. You could be courtside for free. Yeah, I would okay. go courtside and try to just watch. You know, go to Chase Center because I don't know. I can only imagine that courtside seats for a Warriors game are like thirty thousand yeah. dollars. Price upon request. Like. <laughs> oh yeah, it's uh, it says like market price or whatever <laughs> when you go to buy tickets instead. Yeah, I would go to a basketball game and just be really close, or just like. If there were open seats on the bench, just sit next to Clay Thompson and just like see how this man's mind works. I love Clay so much. He's such a treasure. You guys have it so good. That's what I would do. Yeah. Sporting event as well. Sporting event. Nice. On the same wavelength. Okay. This one is from Tanvi. Tanvi makes the subject SF Live Show in all caps. Men, they say, I love your podcast. Out of all the monsters you've come across, which one frightens you the most? P.S. Did you know that Rachel Elizabeth Dare's initials are red? Yes. Did know that because I have graduated from kindergarten. <laughs> and also in my notes, I always abbreviate people. So PJ is PJ, Annabeth is AB, she's RED. I always do that. So, scariest monster in the Percy Jackson universe that I've come across? I mean, Kronos feels like the easiest choice. That's pretty scary. I'm trying to think of. Is he a monster? He's a titan. So, I, yeah, I, I guess in Percy Jackson, they just kind of call like any of the baddies monsters. Yeah. I think. For the actual scariest, though, if I'm thinking of my life, it would either be Medusa or Cersei because what they did in the books is they offered free food and then that was the potential demise of the heroes and love me some free food. It's my favorite type of food is free. So it would just be bad news bears for me. Also, shout out to Sharia, uh, our buddy who's in the second row, who I've talked about before as someone who, <laughs> there was a time before I was full-time with this where we were like getting drinks in Dallas and I was asking him about, cause like you were getting like your MBA or like doing business school or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I think I want to like pivot out of engineering. Like maybe I'll get my MBA and do this. And after like hashing out this plan, he just kind of like smacked the table cause we were in engineering classes together. And Sharia was like, Mike, stop pretending to be an engineer and just do what you actually want to do. And then not too long after, I went full-time with podcasting. So everybody thanks Sharia for me, for all of this existing. <laughs> and I think that's a perfect little note to end the show on for now. Please, everyone, give a round of applause for Sal for being an incredible guest for the second act. He put a lot of work into structuring the show, so that second act could not have been possible without him and our multiple uh, calls where we were practicing this over video call apps, uh, where I was like hiding away in a closet while Kelly was working and she's like doing architecture job and we're like, ha bits. So shout out to Shao. Give a round of applause to everyone here at the venue for making this happen. Just an A-plus team, sound, hospitality. Uh, Blake and Ted were awesome. Everyone who helped to like set it up to you were great as well. Give yourselves a round of applause for coming out to the show. Thank you so much. Wouldn't have been possible without you. And I just, uh, I really appreciate you all being here. So uh, not going to be able to like stick around too long because we got to get out of here and all kind of stuff like that. I'm just so thankful that you all came through. It's so nice to be able to do this, to finally be able to do this in San Francisco. Just like for whatever reason, it didn't work, but we finally got the venue here and I'm so happy. And this was such a delight. So thank you all so much for coming out. So until we come back, because I'm going to have to come back and do another show. I got to come back to the Bay. But until then, I'll see you later. Thanks for coming out, everybody. Yeah. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Newest Olympian. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Mike Schuber. I also run the social media and the website. Our editor is Sherry Guo. The music is by Bettina Campomanos and Brandon Grugel, and the art is by Jessica E. Boyd. If you love the show, you're all caught up on the show, and you just can't get enough, you should check out our Patreon, where you can get access to loads of bonus content, bonus episodes, bloopers, director's commentary, monthly Q&A live streams, all sorts of good stuff lives at thenewsolympian.com slash Patreon. And if you want to rep the show, you can get some merch at thenewsolympian.com slash merch. If you want to be part of a larger community, you can join the Patreon, get access to our Discord, but you can also check us out on social media. We're at News Olympian on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We have a subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash the News Olympian. We even have a TikTok account that Sherry runs. It's at News Olympian. Lots of good stuff on social media. This show wouldn't be possible without our patrons, and I want to give a shout out to our ultra god tier patrons, Lada Bartova, Kelsey Gillespie, The Damn Steam Nuggets, Vicky Garcia, Ellie Hoskovchova, Veronica Bartova, Haley Hastings, Robin Garcia, Frida Vickstrom, Megan Moon, Olivia Y, Craig McRoberts, Taylor Payne, Giselle Salvador, Peter Johnson, The Twins, Sabrina Balsiger, Bony Pony, Heather McMillan, Casey Williams, Polly Burge, Nikki Harris, Tatiana Schmidt, Sandra Rose, Bridget Lowry, Josh Sayer, Josh Wilkie, Abby Ryan, Wise Girl, Ashton Gabrielson, Marco Redhouse, Falcon, Joey, James, Christopher William Boucher, Caden Max, Sam Sam Ruby, Carly Allen, Riley Kitas, Mary Kelly, Audra, Mackenzie, Mrs. O'Leary, Aaron Wood, Rodith Kalna, Milo Kim, Fred Cabras, Harlan Christ, Cece Reads 23, Sankoff, Julia Kendall, Emil Oscar Thomason, Liz Cardigan, Michelle Spurgeon, Zachary Hamilton, Sarah Neal, Ricky, Francesca Pacheco, John Drillsma, Demigod Nurse, Rayla Matthews, Riley Draken, Luna Kadoon, Sky Mallory, Elizabeth Obermiller, and Aiden Parziani. If you want to help out the show in a non-monetary way, tell a friend about the show. That really helps a ton. Reach out to someone directly and say, hey, you love Percy Jackson, or hey, you've been looking for an excuse to read Percy Jackson. There's this podcast. It's very good. The host is very humble. You could also talk about us on social media or leave us a rating and review on whatever podcast app you're using. All these things help, and I really appreciate all of you who have done that or will do it in the future. But I'm just so thankful that you tuned into this episode, and I hope you tune into our next episode, where it will be the live show that Kelly and I performed in Dublin, Ireland, where we discuss chapter 17 of Percy Jackson and the Battle of the Labyrinth. But until then, I'll pursue you later. Hey everyone, how's it going? It's me, ASMR Mike. So for this ASMR Mike segment, I am going to play something that I found just so wonderful. When we were in Finland on this tour, we went to this traditional Finnish restaurant twice, and it was absolutely fantastic. It was called Molja, M-O-L-J-A. Absolutely delicious. It was a traditional Finnish buffet, and they played traditional Finnish music, and all the people working there were wearing traditional Finnish clothing. And one of the songs that they were playing was just absolutely absurd in the best way. So we will close out this episode with me putting my phone on our table and doing a voice memo. And I think at the very end, you'll hear me and Stephen and Kelly chuckle about it. But that is this ASMR mic segment here. Enjoy the music. Thank you so much for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.